confidence becomes her. A woman that embodies the true essence of her being. On this journey, she discovers who she is and what she carries, her value, her worth, her uniqueness to which no one can strip her of. Confidence becomes her. She's ever evolving, ever growing into her greatness. She is multifaceted. With each new chapter of her life comes the reveal of something spectacular. Another level of her giftings like a present being unwrapped. She's like a treasure box, a never-ending supply of hidden treasures, gems and jewels that surface as she walks through every trial and circumstance life throws her way. She is resilient a world changer. She's a masterpiece, a work of art, one of a kind. Confidence becomes her. Welcome to the Confidence Becomes Her podcast, where our mission is to help you upgrade your confidence, embrace your uniqueness, and step into your greatness. I am Marlene Abaugh from MarleneAbaugh.com, your confidence coach and mentor. This is season 10, episode 86 called Healing from Rejection. If it's your very first time joining us, I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome to the family. So glad to have you. Be sure to stick around and get every single thing you need. Okay. Our theme for this season is healing the child within. And we are working through and healing through childhood trauma because guess what? That thing follows us around and it even affects us in ways we're not aware of if it goes unaddressed. Okay. And so that's what this season is all about. We are definitely going to address childhood trauma. So last week, we learned a whole lot about our therapist, uh, Kristen Blackshear, who is, um, she's going to be with us all season long, by the way, and that sister is truly qualified, right? Last week, she taught us uh, the true definition of trauma, and we went over some of the different types of trauma, the different categories. So if you missed last week's episode, you definitely want to go back and listen to that. So on to this week's episode. So she shares with us even more categories of trauma that led us into the topic of rejection. I want to encourage you to get a journal just for this season so that you not only get to take good notes, but you get to do the exercises, the things she's going to give us to do. Because the goal, the goal this season is for us to heal and experience true transformation. So I'm going to be back at the end to do a little recap and uh, we get to we'll get to compare notes. Let's see if some of the same things uh, jumped out at us. Oh, and at the end, I'm also going to share just a few highlights from our very first Confidence Becomes a Retreat that took place this past weekend here in sunny South Florida. It was absolutely amazing, by the way. Anyway, let's get to the second half of our first session with our therapist, Ms. Kristen Blackshear. So you listed off a few different types of trauma. So the, the abuse of all types, mm -hmm. neglect, um, 
I think I heard household dysfunction and incarceration. Yes. And so there are some other types of trauma that are not listed there that I do just want to highlight for people who may not know. You can experience trauma from uh, oppressive spiritual or religious systems. Um, So that's important to know because sometimes we go to churches that are Mm -hmm. well-meaning, but still very oppressive. And they teach an oppressive version of Jesus that is uh, probably more legalistic than anything else. And so uh, that can be traumatic. You give all your money to the church all the time. So now y'all are experiencing poverty, which Mm -hmm. is a a type of trauma, Um, depending on your socioeconomic status. If you live in a community where there's a lot of violence or terrorism or war, if you're in another country, that is also trauma. Because those things are de- distressing to the mental, so for sure to the mental um, and emotional well-being of the person. Yeah. So beyond abuse and neglect and those other things, you also have poverty, racism, discrimination, um, spiritual, religious, oppressive spiritual, religious systems, and then any type of violence. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Look at yeah. that goes with the the definition you gave right anything that uh, you know has a long-term impact to um your mental emotional physical and spiritual health yeah absolutely those those, i I could see all of them falling into that category makes sense yeah Yeah, that makes sense and out of all of those different traumas that you just listed off what what would you say uh, based on your experience that has been like at the top of the list, like I'd say maybe the top three or something. Sure. Um, abuse, mostly sexual and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say living with a, a household mil- mental illness, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, p- parental mental illness. Mm-hmm. And... T- t- I will say emotional neglect. Really? From emotional abuse. And, you know, me as a, a Black woman, I am always surprised when people are telling me these things are happening in homes of people of color because I grew up in a bubble, okay? We all mm-hmm. were Black, we all went to church, and that was it. And um, I am working with people who... I mean, because we were just taught that, you know, that doesn't happen in our community because of stereotypes and all that kind of stuff. And so now I'm working with people who their mom, you know, put them out when they were 13 and told the rest of the family, don't talk to them. Don't let them back in. Oh, my God. Uh, People who their parents, the father knew that was, was there in the other room as the mother was throwing glasses at the child's head. And, um. And he was a police officer and um, he didn't do anything and the mother didn't do anything. You know, nobody else could do anything. And these are people of color. And uh, that has been probably one of the more surprising things to me, just because I think we have hidden that. You know, what happens in this house stays in this house has been so real. Um, And it's just not something again, it's not something that we really talk about. So I didn't I did not know that people that look like me were experiencing trauma like that. And you said that that what you were describing falls under emotional neglect? 
No, I was just saying that that's what what I have noticed. So emotional mm-hmm. neglect would be um, a, pa- a parent who has a poor um, attachment style. So like the child is asking for love, the child is needing love, um, mm-hmm. a hug or whatever, words of affirmation, and the parent is refusing. I am, I they have no emotional maturity, um, no emotional uh, stability, and so they don't give anything. They literally shut the child out. And so now the child feels like, you know, I am wrong. I have done something wrong. What about me is so bad that you would not want to love me? Um, You know, I worked with someone whose parent would write down everything that they like. If on Monday you uh, said you were going to take out the trash and didn't, they would write down Monday or what's that Saturday, Saturday, you know, the fourth. Um, Kristen was supposed to take out the trash and didn't and keep a log of every bad thing, um, never offering any type of affection or anything. That's emotional neglect. Can you imagine what that has done to that person's self-esteem and their confidence? It must be like close to zero. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, the level of, of... um, it, it, let me say it makes it very hard to trust people and to believe that people are really about you when your parent or really for you when your mm-hmm. parents have not been able to prove that they can be really mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the what the sad part is for a lot of those type of parents, it wasn't modeled for them, you know, what. <laughs> what it means to be a good parent right. like a lot of times a parent the parenting style for their parents was extremely lacking and Absolutely. they're just, you know doing what they have seen or what they have experienced and it is sad and that's actually one of the reasons why i feel this season that the theme healing the child within is so important because a lot of us as adults, we are walking around so wounded, right? Mm-hmm. Cut so deep. Yes. A lot of things that we've experienced in our childhood and we don't even know, you know, I, I like to say people are walking around bleeding and they don't even know they don't even that know. they're bleeding. They don't. They don't know that they're bleeding. They don't know that um, that they have to heal from these type of things. So I am so glad that you are on with us this season, and that you're going to help bring so many things to the light, and then you're going to help us to heal. Through all that, to work through it, to um, to to heal through it. So going back to that um, example you were giving us about emotional uh, neglect, like mm-hmm. what um, are there certain type of fruits attached to that? Like I know you went down a list of certain things, like you yeah, know, drugs and alcohol. But have you noticed, like with that? particular type of trauma are there like commonalities within people as to the the fruit yeah so a lot of times one of the most common uh seeds that i have seen planted that produces fruit is 
Rejection. Um, and rejection shows up so differently for everyone. So sometimes because of rejection, we the brokenness in us attracts us to the brokenness in other people. And so we keep picking partners um, that are broken as well, who are going to perpetually reject us as well. Um, sometimes rejection gives us low self-esteem. And so you may hear cl- myself, let me use myself. I don't use nobody else. For me, I would say stuff like, um, if my friends and I were getting ready to go, now I didn't experience emotional neglect, no, but rejection, the way that the seed showed up, what the fruit of rejection for me was, um, I'm getting ready to go out with my friends and I say, oh, this looks so stupid. I look stupid. And they just think I'm just saying words like, girl, that's cute. Come on, let's go. And, uh, but I was really expressing, you know, because we know that the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. I was expressing my heart and what I felt about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it was taken in a comical way. And so people didn't really know that I was um, working through or experiencing rejection. I have mm-hmm. seen rejection show up in self-hate, you know, self-rejection. So that's suicidal ideation, that's suicidal attempts, that's cutting. Um, everybody that cuts doesn't cut for death. Some people cut for pain. Mm. They just want to feel something because I don't feel anything. I've seen rejection show up as extreme isolation. I don't do anything. I don't. I go to work. I come home. I go to work. I come home. I don't have friends. I don't talk to people. Um, I have seen rejection show up as social anxiety because I'm afraid that somebody else is going to reject me. And so uh, I don't even want to introduce myself to anybody. I don't even want to say this is my name because of the fear that me do just me introducing myself opens me up to people potentially rejecting me. So, and the thing is, sometimes people know that they desire love, which is why they're coming to me, or they desire friendships or whatever. Um, but rejection has gripped them so tightly that it's showing up in ways that make it hard for them to connect with people. Self-sabotage, you know? Um I'm making a friend and things are going well, but rejection keeps saying, you know, they're going, they're going to leave anyway. You Mm -hmm. you know, you know, they don't really like you anyway. And so then you throw a wrench in the, in the plans or in the party um, to make the person reject you so that it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Cause then you can go back and say, see, I knew they didn't like me. No way. Mm -hmm. They were going to reject me anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with, this particular, we, we're going to park here for a moment with rejection. So for someone who is listening right now and they're listening, they, all the things you called off, they're like, ooh, that's me, that's me, that's me. How would you start them along the journey of working through that? Like what, what is the, the first step? For me, I like to take people back to the first time that they experienced that emotion. Because the other thing about rejection is it can be in utero. Um, if 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 research shows that you can put headphones on your belly and your baby can hear Mozart, then common sense shows that that baby can also hear people arguing, people mm. that don't want that baby, people mm. that say uh, negative things about that baby, people that attempt to terminate that baby. That baby can hear all of that. So we can also experience uh, rejection in utero. While you are in your mother's womb, a spirit of rejection can be attached to you. Um, I'll give you just one last example and then I'll answer your question. I had a client once who 
his mother, um, I think his dad, his dad was on drugs when the mother was pregnant. He ended up passing away. The mother mm-hmm. spent the entire pregnancy depressed. And then she was on drugs. And so this man was in his 30s just persistently depressed all of the time because of the rejection that he he had experienced in his mother's womb because when his father died his mother no longer wanted to you know go on parent the baby so Mm -hmm. on and so forth um so then he's got depression his whole life and people are like well you ain't even experienced nothing bad yet how you come here sad you know (laughs) Oh my God, the baby born said Jesus, mm. uh, but it is because of in utero rejection. And so to me, if we are doing um, root work, then it is important that we go back to when is the first time that you remember experiencing that? Mm-hmm. And we talk through what did that feel like? What was going on? What are you still holding on to from that? Because a lot of times we are holding on to unforgiveness to people that made us feel that way, you know? Um, before you go, question when you're basically telling them to, to just think back, to try to pinpoint the first time they felt it, Mm -hmm. um, based on the, the clients you've had, like, is that something they can do in that session that you asked or does it take them a while to pinpoint it? Like, what have you found? Sometimes I do have to give some um, homework. There's this thing called um, shadow work where Mm -hmm. you do these like really in-depth journal prompts and stuff like that. There's other parts of shadow work, but um, the part that I usually use is um, journaling. And it's really in-depth, almost invasive questions that Mm -hmm. kind of pull you out of yourself to shadow yourself, going into yourself to figure out what is the root of this thing. Wow. so um, narrative therapy is also a very good way to figure it out. So narrative therapy is essentially from the time that you were born up until today, what has been your life? What have you experienced? What are the traumas that you have experienced? As well as the triumphs um, that you have experienced, but you're just kind of writing your own story. And so those are two things that if people can't, because sometimes things are so hard that people suppress them. And then in the case of that gentleman, now his mom was, you know, um, unfortunately actively using drugs after he was born. And so for him, it was kind of easy to say the drug use. Mm -hmm. But for me, because I know what I know, I had to take it back even further than the drug use that he saw. Mm -hmm. Um, to ask about the pregnancy, you know? So sometimes there are questions that I can ask um, where I say, okay, yeah, when you were 10, that happened, but you did you ever feel it before 10? Mm. You know, did, did anything happen before 10? Mm. And sometimes people, I give grace, man, because this is hard. Therapy is hard. Mm. It is hard to open yourself up to people. It is hard to um to get that shovel and go digging with another person you know and then you gotta cry in front of them you gotta do it come on man you asking for a lot (laughs) so sometimes we may go through three or four sessions before the person says well really at four and i'm sitting here looking like now girl we've been talking about 10 (laughs) what you mean when you was four your mama slapped you but okay, and I love you anyhow. Okay, I give you grace. I give you grace. Oh so you know, sometimes so, the more comfortable people get, mm-hmm. then they start to reveal the other stuff that they felt like was too heavy for even me. This week's episode is brought to you by the 
Rewiring Your Belief System Chat and Affirmations Recording. Rewiring your belief system is the equivalent to updating the software on your laptop or cell phone, which allows for optimal performance and helps to prevent against security issues like hacking and identity theft. See what you believe about you matters and you cannot let life hack your true identity. This recording walks you through how to rewire your belief system. Check out the link in the show notes to get your copy of this life-changing recording today. So step one is definitely pinpointing the first time they felt that particular way. And so walk us through what's next. So once a person pinpoints that, what's next? So um, I liked, and this varies um, because everybody's beliefs are so different, but I like to ask people where where are they when it comes to forgiveness? Uh, some people are like, I don't want to forgive. And um, mm-hmm. that's just not my thing. And I'm going to hold on to this because they did it. And so they deserve for me to hold on to it. And so uh, like Paul, I just have to plant a seed and ask the Holy Spirit to water it and, and allow it to produce uh, a, a place for forgiveness. Um, those people tend to have to find other creative ways um to kind of work through it or give them time to get mm-hmm. to a place to where they say okay now i'm ready to forgive mm-hmm. um but so you I, won't you won't go further i won't then, push forgiveness because okay. if i push you even if i know that that's really the best thing for us to do if i push you in that area you are going to become resistant and you're going to shut down my job is not to if if i meet you let's say you know we're at levels if i meet you at a level one and in my spirit i know you really could be at a level five and on day one i try to push you to level five you're going to be resistant and you're going to shut down so my job is not even to push you to level two my job is to come to level one and wait until you're ready to walk to level two and then we walk to level three I can't push you beyond what you're ready to do. So if you find someone that's not ready to forgive, so you're saying you don't push them, but then how would you? We talk about what does healing look like for you? Because Mm. for some people, healing may just be, I don't want to be angry about it anymore, even though I don't want to forgive them. For some Mm. people, healing may look like, um, I want to be able to talk about it without crying, but I don't want to forgive them for some mm-hmm. people. You know, so, so then I have to figure out what does this look like for you? And I am never, hear me well, okay, everybody that's listening, I am never afraid to say, I don't know a lot about how to take that road. Let me do some research and come back to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know everything. So sometimes people tell me healing looks like a certain thing for them. And I don't, I've never worked with anybody in that capacity. So then I have to say, okay, let me, you know, let me, let me do some research. Let me read, let me watch some videos. And then Mm -hmm. about the next session, you come back and I'll be prepared to um, help you where you are. But essentially it is my goal. My job at that point is to learn what does healing look like for you Mm -hmm. so that I can then um, tailor my interventions, my techniques, and my conversation to meet you at that point of healing and mm-hmm. not push you to what I think you should do. Wow. Well, you don't pay me for that. I'm right. a therapist, not a counselor. So I don't, you don't pay me to tell you everything that you should do. You pay me to use clinical interventions and wisdom to help you get to where you want to be. 
And so what has, <laughs> have you gotten some, some off the wall answers for that question? What, what does healing look like for you? Like, does anything stick out? Anyone experience stick out? Yeah, but I have clients who are atheists and agnostic. And mm-hmm. so me saying, you know, the Bible say that don't work. Don't do mm-hmm. that. I don't mm-hmm. care. So <laughs> um, I have had clients say, you know, I don't want to forgive uh, my mother, um, but I do want to be able to go around them, you know, mm-hmm. go around my mom, even though I don't want to forgive her mm-hmm. or um, I don't want to forgive my cousin, but I do want to at least be able to talk about what happened to me, you know, mm-hmm. without crying about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we do that because mm-hmm. they are very aware that or for them, they are very certain that the the, uh, uh, the transgression was so egregious mm-hmm. that I should be able to hold on to this thing. But I will tell you this, because I believe one plants, one waters, God brings increase. I have had situations with clients that are atheists where they come back and say, literally maybe three to six months later, you know, I was watching a TikTok video and this girl was talking about forgiveness. And I know you said that and I wasn't ready, but now mm. I'm like, can we talk about that? Oh, nice. That must feel so good. And I don't say, you know, what well, I told you. I just approached him like, oh, okay, you ready? Come on, girl, let's do it. But I'm really saying, girl, I told you that's what we needed to do, you know? And how do you, when a person is ready to walk through that, like what what are some of the things you have them do or what are some of the steps you give to walk them through forgiveness? So we talk about who all needs to be forgiven. Do you need Mm -hmm. to forgive yourself? Do you need to forgive um, the people that wronged you? Um, Do you need to, you know, sometimes we are even holding uh, God hostage to to the the thing that happens to us. Do you need to to release you know um, the interventions into God hostage because of what happened? Who all in this story in this particular situation? Who all needs to be forgiven? Okay, now we have our list. We know who we're working with. Do we? So then we can move into um, if they are believers, we can pray because I do include uh, biblical therapy as well. So we pray. We ask the Holy Spirit. And first of all. Before we do anything, I'm very big on education. I am, it is important to me to help people understand that everything, some things the Lord will do immediately. Some things the Lord will give us the grace to walk through. And so sometimes we can write the letter or we can have the conversation or we can just cry. We can release the, we can do a uh, physical thing that that uh, emulates what is happening in our spirit, which is crying or screaming or whatever, um, to release it, to get it out of us. We can do that and it'll immediately break. And then sometimes the Lord just gives us the grace to every week we walk through another layer because sometimes healing and forgiveness are in layers. So my mom one day, I said, um, Sometimes the only reward for completing one layer of healing is another layer of healing. Sometimes the only reward is, all right, now you didn't did level one, come uh-huh. on to level two, you know. So you thought you needed to forgive your cousin. Then you realize, well, I think I need to forgive me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we 
talk about all the people they need to be, you know, and, and, and again, I like to give that education up front so that if it takes us a couple of times to walk through this or to go through this, you don't feel like a failure. You don't mm. feel like, to me, it's like a medication. Um, I have a picture that I drew that I show my clients. And essentially the picture is like, you know, uh, if you take your prescription and it says, okay, day one, you're not going to feel good. Day two, you're going to feel a little bit better. Day three, you're going to be sick. But day four, bam, you you fine. That's yeah, what yeah. it's sometimes like. That is what forgiveness is sometimes like. And I let people know that up front. It's not going to be linear. It's going to mm-hmm. be some lows. But when you get to the low, you don't give up because you already know that's a part of the process. So when you get to the low, you say to yourself, okay, well, Chris did tell me a low was coming. So that don't mean give up. That means keep moving because I'm moving to another high. I'm moving toward healing or I'm moving toward forgiving. Yeah. People give up, you know, when they get to the lows. So we, we, we know who all needs to be forgiven. Sometimes we do things like journal. Sometimes things are not so deep. And we can just do a journal expressing all of the deep, the heavy, the oppressive, the weighty, the burden. Um, and we do some type of act like tearing it up, shredding it, burning it, whatever. Sometimes we need to we talk about what it looks like to maybe have conversations with the people that have hurt us, people that have wronged us. Um, I give books. I'm really, really it is important to me that people are educated and educated so much so that at some point they leave from me and they take what they've gotten from me and give to somebody else. Um, So Mm -hmm. I will assign a book or a website or a video on forgiveness, on healing, on rejection, how those things show up for us. Sometimes it is, again, those physical things that we do. Sometimes it is just crying. It is releasing the burden up because people don't cry. And I like to cry. You know, I, I believe God designed crying as a, a, a way to release, a form of release. Really yeah. after I'm done, I feel a little better. I mean, I don't get to cry, but you know, even yeah. if it's, even if it's doing, uh, during like praise and worship, it's just, I don't know, this is such freedom to me attached with, um, it's, it's, liberating but you know there's a saying going around that um what is it that um real men don't cry or something like that (laughs) that's that's another story but (laughs) yeah they be bound too come on get some freedom and cry yeah (laughs) you don't come in here and cry and get it out the way shoot Yeah, I believe in it. And so sometimes it's just that in this safe space that we have created. Um, Another thing that we do sometimes when we're doing forgiveness work is a corrective experience. So therapy itself can be a therapeutic corrective experience, uh, but other people can be a corrective experience. And so while you are uh, releasing the hold that you have kept for unforgiveness towards your mother, you are also leaning into the relationship that you're building with your pastor's wife, who has a motherly role. Um, Mm. You are allowing her to love you and nurture you until you feel a complete release. Um, Sometimes we do that in therapy. You know, I may role play, you know, what would you, if I were your mother, what would you say? How would you, you know, how would you express that? How would you get that out of you? Um, 
And so I allowed them to say the things, do the things, whatever, um, you know, that they would say to the person that they are needing to forgive. And then ultimately, you know, we ask the Lord, uh, if they are believers, we always ask the Lord to help us continue the forgiving process because, Listen, one thing I am sure about is as soon as you say, I'm going to forgive, two days later, that person going to call you and they're going to say something else that's going to make you say, see, that's why I told Kristen I was <laughs> not going to forgive Keisha because she was going to call me. She was going to make me mad. And I already knew. So, again, like that prescription, I prepared them. Let me just tell you, I know we're doing forgiveness work. Keisha going to call you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keisha calls you be immediate in saying I release her I forgive her I hold nothing in my heart toward her don't even let it settle yeah when yeah. Keisha calls you if you need to text me so I can remind you of what to say text me and say hey Kristen you know Keisha called and, I'm, and what I'm gonna tell you is now release forgive and hold nothing and however many times you need to say it say it let your ears hear what your heart needs to be aware of which is I release you I forgive you and I have nothing, I hold nothing in my heart towards you. Nothing. I like that. I release you, I forgive you, and I hold nothing in my heart towards you. you. I will towards you, whatever. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Wow. So the steps for our listeners, step one is really pinpointing uh, the point of origination. The first time you felt um, rejected. Step two is working through forgiveness. With that, attached to that is figuring out who all needs to be forgiven. Forgiven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be yourself, that could be God and all the other parties involved. Step three, you said, is praying mm-hmm. if they're believers and they believe in that. And the fourth thing I remember hearing is the corrective experience. And I think that one, um, a lot of us don't know about. And that that's a big part of healing right there. Because the, the thing that was done wrong, that corrects it. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Corrective and a corrective experience happens when we allow God to place the people in our lives who mm-hmm. can, um, through their pure and in pure actions, pure intentions, um, allow our heart to receive healing in places that other people have hurt us. Mm-hmm. So that could be a pastor's wife, that could be a, a, a mother, a church mother, that could be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you if you have sibling trauma or sibling wounds that can be your church friends yeah but do you do you approach that person to let them know you are uh you're putting them in that position of of correcting the experience like how does that part what does that look like so sometimes i think sometimes i think that that person we kind of naturally are looking for people to be um what our heart needs and so they may just be mothering you anyway or fathering you or sistering you whatever automatically mm-hmm. automatically um mm-hmm. just by way of the holy spirit and discernment they are aware and mm-hmm. sometimes it may look like uh i may tell clients to uh reach out to whoever for mentorship you know and <laughs> maybe you don't have the courage to say can you mother me? But you do have the courage to say, she's awesome. She works in finance. I'm in finance. And I think this relationship can heal me in the areas of my mother wounds. But I just kind of want to start at a mentor level first. 
Well, that like that. access to the person. As you have yeah. access, and you build relationship. Then you, as you are more com- more comfortable, you can move into saying, um, you know, yeah. okay, yeah. now this is where I am in therapy. Um, this is what we're working on, you know, yeah. and I want to be intentional. Mm-hmm. I want to be intentional about building this relationship with you. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I like the way you describe them because, you know, you come on too strong, you know, at the beginning of the person. Get away from me. <laughs> wow. Wow. This is some, some good information. Thanks so much for sharing. And um, we're going to end our, our, our first session here tell our listeners how they can um find you find out more about um if if they want to actually work with you where can they find you so my website is um www.cedartree which is c is in i don't know cat e d is in david a r t is in tom r E is an egg, E is an egg, P is in Paul, T is in Thomas, C is in Cat. So Cedar Tree PTC.com. Yes. And I got that from um Psalm 92. I want to say 12, I think. It was talking, I was just reading my devotional one day and it was talking about the cedar of Lebanon. Um, and mm-hmm. when I was Googling the cedar of Lebanon, it uh I it it means strength, power, and longevity. So you'll see that on my website, strength, power, and longevity. Um, so yeah, Cedar Tree PTC, which is Cedar Tree Psychotherapy and Consulting.com. Wow. Wow. Rejection is no joke, right? Like, where do I begin with this one? You know, I think going back at the beginning, I think the big surprise for me when she was listing um, some other categories of trauma, a surprise for me was to hear poverty listed as a trauma category. Did you catch that? Did that surprise you as well? I know she gave us uh, like the top three traumas that she gets to deal with, which was abuse. She said sexual and emotional mental illness and emotional neglect. And that's where the rejection came in, right? With the emotional neglect, rejection being like a fruit of that, which she said shows up differently for everyone. Did you catch when she said brokenness, the brokenness in us attracts us to the brokenness in other people, the brokenness in us attracts us to the brokenness in other people. So that explains why normally, right, a person, like she said, will be picking partners that are broken as well and will eventually reject you as well, right? Uh, She said, and it happens perpetually, meaning repeatedly. It happens over and over. I love how she took her time walking us through how to heal from this thing called rejection. And step one was pinpointing the first time that we actually experienced rejection. She gave us a couple of different ways to pull that answer out of us, right? She told us that 
rejection could have happened as early as in our mother's womb. And remember, we learned a little bit about this back in season number five. I think it was episode 38. That episode was uh, about abandonment and rejection. But she gave us a very important question in this first step. She said, what are you still holding on to? What are you still holding on to? Which led us to step number two, the big one, right? The F word, forgiveness. You know, I think for some of us, we treat this like a dirty word, but forgiveness is so vital to the healing process. It's like very, extremely necessary to our healing journey. I love the other questions she shared with us that she said that she asked her clients, like who all needs forgiveness, which could include ourselves, right? Or even God, like how many of us are holding our creator hostage in the midst of the traumas that we are trying to work through? Like, I think A big thing we all need to decide for ourselves is what healing looks like for us, right? She says she asked her clients that. And some for some people, it is just not being angry about that thing anymore or being able to talk about it without crying. At the end of the day, what you know, when it comes down to to healing and working through anything, I do believe that we have to exercise some grace with ourselves. She said that sometimes God does it immediately and other times, other times he just gives us the grace to work through it, right? And that sometimes healing and forgiveness, that they are in layers. So what I want to encourage you to do is to pace yourself on this journey. Don't rush the process. Don't rush the process. One of the last things I want to point out is what she called the corrective experience. The corrective experience. Because I believe a big piece of the healing process, um, that is it, right? I think we've been missing out on that, the corrective experience, which she described as allowing God to place the people in our lives who can, through their pure actions and pure intentions, allow our hearts to receive healing in the places other people have hurt us. Wow. Lord, we thank you for this first complete session. We thank you for all that we have learned so far. May your healing virtue begin to penetrate our hearts right now, Lord, especially in the area of rejection. Help us to pinpoint exactly where it all started. Give us the desire and the strength to forgive all parties involved. Help our hearts to always have a posture of forgiveness. Help us to be quick to say, Lord, I forgive him or her. I release them. I hold nothing in my heart towards them. Like Kristen said, may our ears always hear what our heart needs to be aware of, which is 
We must forgive and we must forgive quickly. If we want your forgiveness, Lord, we must forgive others as well. Lord, send us the right people that will allow our hearts to heal in places that others have hurt us deeply. And Lord, in those really, really hard and tough and delicate cases, in the really hard, tough, delicate cases, Lord, do heart surgery. Do what only you can do. Put all the broken pieces back together with your meticulous and mighty hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So really quick, I wanted to share just some of the highlights about uh, our very first Confidence Becomes Her retreat that took place this past weekend, February 24th through 26th, themed, I am loved and I am loved. It was absolutely amazing. Our scripture for this event, by the way, uh, was First John chapter 4, verse 16. And the NIV, it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So basically, uh, because God is love, right, and he lives on the inside of us, we are not only loved by God, but we are indeed love. We are love. So anyway, a first night was like, you know, the meet and greet. We got to fellowship with each other. And then I had a minister. Actually, she is a true prophet of God. She walked us all through inner healing and deliverance. It was a very powerful um, time together. We also had on that Saturday, we had an all white royal dinner where I actually got to serve the ladies their dinner and they got to experience being a daughter of the most high God, the most high King on a whole new level. And a highlight from the last day was we had a crowning. Each lady present, she got a beautiful crown that she placed on her head and that she got to take home with her. And our message from our daddy, our message from our heavenly father that day was to not ever uncrown ourselves, never uncrown ourselves for anyone or for anything, not for self-doubt, not for self-sabotage, anyway. I may share some more highlights in the weeks to come, but in the meanwhile, if you are on Facebook, join the Confidence Becomes Her private Facebook group. I will be posting some pictures and some videos there of the retreat. I have some other events planned for us this year as well, so make sure that you are on the email list so that you are fully in the loop. You can go to Marlene A. Ball dot com to join the email list. And if you're into social media, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube under Marlene A. Ball. So that's it for now. We will be back not next week, but the following week, right, for our 
second session where our therapist, Kristen Blackshear, she will be talking about complex trauma, what it's like for a person to actually have to deal with and work through not just one type of trauma, but multiple trauma. So you don't want to miss this one. Okay, until next time, go be great. And I will talk to you soon.